Welcome to Career Revisionist with Dr. Grace Lee, dedicated to doers, dreamers, and realists who want more success and satisfaction in their life. This podcast is about answering one question. How can you build a fulfilling career where it's all about doing work you love and growing your income without sacrificing your values? And here's your host. She was the only non-Caucasian student in her whole high school, Dr. Grace Lee. Hi, this is Grace again, and welcome to another episode of my show, Career Revisionist. And today I am joined by a special guest. His name is Satori, you know, and he is a friend of mine. And today, and the reason why I invited him on the show today is because he is a performance specialist. I mean, Satori helps people. I mean, he is a, an expert in getting to that next level of performance. And what I like about Satori is that for him, performance isn't just about productivity right? There's meaning behind it. There is a whole person behind performance and behind productivity. So he gets to the core of that. And it's not just about output for him. You know, many people, you think about productivity, you think about output, about, about doing things, right? But Satori understands that there is a human aspect to it. And that's what I love about his work. So I wanted to bring Satori on because he is a source of energy and inspiration to this community. And, for, and what I wanted to glean from him and what we can all learn from Satori is how we can become better versions of ourselves, how we can connect to our purpose and our visions and our life mission to get the things that we want done in our, in our careers that are meaningful to us. So Satori is awesome to have you on the show. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for, for uh, having me on the show and I uh, can't wait to uh, share uh, this moment with you and your listeners. That's awesome. I am so thrilled to be chatting with you. I was counting down the days until our conversation and here we are. So Tori, please tell us, tell me, tell the, my listeners as well, how did you come about this decision to go this route in terms of performance? You know, how did you decide to focus on human performance and what does that mean to you? Good, great question. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll start um, way back. <laughs> yeah. I'll way back and, and, I'll, and I'll speed up the process because, you know, it could be a long story or a short story, but I'll, let me share the, the highlight of it. When I was, uh, when I was, well, before I was born, when I was, my mom was 16 years old, she was on the abortion table and uh, she was on the abortion table about to abort me and my grandma, my actual, my dad's mom walks into the room and says, honey, go home. You don't have to do this. And she was 16 years old, very young, thinking, you know, well, what's my dad going to say? You know, um, I'm 16 years old. I'm not married. You know, what's going to happen? So she decided to keep me. But as we, you know, as I became two, three, four years old, I noticed uh, and I, I heard things like my life would have been better. I would have made more money. I would have a better career, better education if I didn't have you. So at that time, you know, being a three, four, five-year-old, six-year-old, right, you know, all those years there, um, that caused a lot of guilt, shame. I didn't know those words back then, of course. But the feeling of like being an inconvenience, right? being in the way. And that resulted in noticing myself, tippy-toeing, apologizing, being careful, not wanting to uh, make people mad, rough the fetters, so to speak. Um, but I wanted to please people. And I didn't... I didn't reflect on it then. I didn't know back then. But I, I realized I had that showed up in, in relationships, right, with people. And 
at work with friends. Then fast forward, I'm 24 years old. I'm living in Los Angeles and, I'm, and I became a world champion in karate and I opened my own martial arts school. And as I had my martial arts school, um, I noticed the pattern showing up with my students. I didn't want them to be upset with me. So I was trying to make them feel comfortable, make them feel, you know, being apologetic, even though I was black belt, I could probably kick their ass, no problem, right? But, you know, just the feeling of like, you know, not not from the place of, of caring. Like, you, I'm not saying don't care, but it's, it's the carefulness, right? Being careful rather than being caring. I think it's a big, big distinction there. Because when you tip your toe and you're afraid that people are going to get mad at you, you do things that are from your own fear, not from the place of actually contribution or caring. So I, I noticed that. But what, what was interesting is that I noticed the same pattern with my clients. A lot of the, uh, I work with a lot of athletes, a lot of work with a lot of CEOs and, and people that were really successful in, in, their, in their careers. But they were doing the same thing. And how, this is how it showed up. It showed up in the sense of pushing and pushing and pushing and wanting to succeed. And no matter how much it succeeded, they still felt empty. Something was missing. And I started realizing that. And I remember one day as I was developing my trainings and developing my, I, I, I noticed that I loved doing more than just the kicking and punching, right? So I started doing more of the performance coaching and the, the, the focus on helping people remove friction and overwhelm and stress from their, from their head, right? And life. So I started moving away from the martial arts. And what was really fascinating, I remember one day I was sitting in a, on an airplane on my way from LA to Sweden, to Europe, and uh, sitting there thinking, notice, I, I, I noticed this pattern, and I mean, I noticed this thing. And I realized that I've been doing that my whole life. Hmm. And then I started seeing that in my, in my clients. And I was like, huh, interesting. Well, what is this about? And I realized that the more of that friction we have internally, the more it slows us down. It removes the ability to be able to accelerate our progress and our growth. And I've always been fascinated by them because of the martial arts, it's all, all about precision, about being very precise and very exact. Uh, I love the, the focus of seeing what were the pieces that actually slowed me down that things that removed me from the things that I wanted in, in, in business, in career, in my life, in relationships, in all that kind of stuff. And that's how I started to define these, these systems and these strategies to become more efficient, more focused, uh, to be able to elevate performance, to literally be deliberate in the growth. Yes. I call it precision-based growth today. Precision-based growth. Yes. Wow, that's really wonderful. That is, that has a lot of value packed into that phrase, you know. But you said something earlier that really caught my attention. You said, remove that friction, right? And we all have it. I mean, sometimes it's in the, in the, in the form of fear. Sometimes it's in the form of fears of criticism, of the unknown, of all those things. Or sometimes it's, in, in, it's disguised as self-imposed limitations, right? So as, as an experienced coach, you know, as an experienced, you know, you're an international speaker as well. So you work with so many clients, getting them to break through these frictions, to remove friction, as you said, right? So what would you say is kind of like the first step people need to have to remove that friction? Yeah, great question. So 
there's there's several layers, but the first step that I would say is that the core step is really understanding the principles that it actually creates, that what actually creates friction, right? And I look at thoughts, I look at emotions, I look at behaviors, I look at habits, I look at all those pieces. So the first step inside of that is exploration and clarity. The clarity to be able to observe those thoughts, to observe the emotions. So let me give you a great example. I have a great client that works for a big makeup company. And she's, she's an executive in, the, in this makeup comp- company. And she manages, you know, large uh, uh, sales teams. Mm-hmm. And it's a makeup company, right? So it's very focused on your appearance, how you look. Yeah. So when she first came to me, we started working on, on stuff. The first thing I told her was, I wa- and I'll explain why, but <laughs> I told her, I want you to go for the next 30 days to work without makeup. Mm-hmm. She's like, I can't do that. <laughs> I, I'm, you know, I lead these teams and we're all about, you know, beauty and looking good. Mm-hmm. I said, I know. But I said, the real thing here is, can you go to work without makeup, without feeling, without feeling yeah. forced to have makeup? And I said, the reason is because when you go to work and you are in the environment and you're looking to please people, you're looking to, um, people to, for people to like you or respect you, admire you, yeah. and you feel forced to be a certain way, there's no freedom in that. Mm-hmm. So I want you to have freedom of choice, like a real choice. Yeah. As I said, you may be scared to go to work without makeup, but it's only for one reason. Because you don't walk around looking like that at home, do you, by yourself? Like, no. I said, exactly. You do it because you care about what they think about you. You care about their, their opinion about you. Their opinion about you is more important than your opinion about you. And I said, if you care more about their opinion, then that's going to impact your decision-making. Mm-hmm. It's going to impact your leadership capacity. So I said, are you going to take on the challenge? It's like, okay. And so I can tell you, right, in the first three days, like she was nervous. But after that, she forgot about it. Like she literally forgot about and she felt the freedom of being able to choose to go to work without makeup. And then after that, I said, okay, so now you can choose. You can have makeup because you like it, because you want it, mm-hmm. or not. But now you have freedom of choice. So I think that's a critical component. But she couldn't have that without the first step, which is clarity yes. of understanding what are the actual things that are driving your decisions, driving your thoughts and your emotions? The clarity is the, the first step, the first component of any, I would say, any change, right? Would you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. I love what you said there. Clarity and the what, right? I mean, would you agree that sometimes you have something in your life, an event that happened in your past had such a strong hold on you? I mean, you described your experience as a child even before you were born, you know, and you knew about that story sometime in your youth and that hadn't, that had a hold on you, right? And the thing is though, later in your life, you realize it still had an effect on you. And that awareness was key that served to help you break out of your friction, you know, and then look at you and, and then you accelerated. So, I mean, can you tell me, talk about that, share about that? At what point did you have that moment where you realize, oh, this is, this is still having an effect on me? Like, how, what does that realization look like even? 
Well, it's interesting because I noticed that with a lot of my, well, unfortunately, the martial arts when I was when I was there, I noticed that there were things that I wanted to say mm-hmm. to the students that I didn't say. There was things that I wanted to do that I didn't do. Yeah. Out of the hesitation of fear, what if, what if I say this and they get mad at me, mm-hmm. right? So there was, there was this apologetic nature. And, you know, part of that comes from also from you've been, you know, indoctrinated condition in the martial arts to show a lot of, you know, humbleness to your master, right? That they already always know best. But if you look at that, the same thing with most parents, right? Most parents think that they know best, right? So you, you've been taught from a, from a very young age that other people know better than you do. And which actually is interesting, kind of ties into that insight that I had. The insight that I had was that I was putting people on pedestals. And as I put people on pedestals, the moment this happened, what happened to me automatically, it minimized me. I devalued and undervalued myself. And in that moment, my self-worth was lowered. And so the insight that I had about that is as long as I put myself below other people, I could never optimize my capacity i could never be and share and contribute and create at my highest level so what i what i created and i thought of was if i can see that the traits that are in these people that are put on a pedestal are inside of me and not devalue myself then automatically internally it would bring me to an equal level and I think that we do that in many different ways, whether you're, you know, in a job and you have a boss, you know, you are in a career situation where you are competing to be, you know, trying to outdo a certain team or you're, you're trying to strive for something. Is that part of that drive could be coming from the place of, of internally feeling inferior mm. and trying to be superior. Yes. So I look at it as a big interior, you can be internally inferior, equal, or superior. And you can be externally inferior, equal, or superior. And I believe that when you can, when you can equilibrate and you can balance out the internal and external to be, you know, in alignment, mm-hmm. then you free yourself from all the, all the junk that being, you know, again, friction that been carrying around for a long, long time. That's amazing. And, you know, as my listeners, you know, as you're listening to Satori, it's like that, that transformation is so inspirational. And now you have that vocabulary, that vernacular to be able to express so clearly, you know, and to help others to see it too. But there was a time in your life where, you know, you mentioned earlier at the start of this conversation where you didn't even have the words to, to express it. Right. Right. You know, I'm interested in this because, you know, I mean, my listeners are wanting to create significance in their careers they want to have impact they want to to have a meaningful contribution in the world so share with share with everybody how how did you make that transition i mean it must have been deliberate like how did you become that next level of awareness so that today you can sit here and be so articulate and and know and be so inspirational in knowing what you had to go through in your journey like how did that how did that how did that shape up for you? Great question. So I believe for myself and looking back at it, um, I always been very deliberate, but I didn't really, again, I didn't have that word. I didn't have that language. Yeah. 
But I, when I was, you know, when I was, I started martial arts when I was six years old. And I also played guitar since I was six years old. Well, more intensely when I was, when I became eight. But playing an instrument, it was kind of like, you know, you practice a melody or a song. You try to learn that song. You practice and practice. And to have that precision around that, you need to be focused. And you need to be disciplined. You need to have, you need to block time, right, to practice. And, and I had this vision, this dream that I wanted to be a, a, a rock star. I want to be on stage. <laughs> but then when I, when I was a kid, I, you know, I, one teacher told me, you know, being that on stage and playing that, playing in front of, you know, hundreds or thousands of people, that's great. But you cannot get there unless you practice. So he said, you know, I, I'd rather have you practice for 15 minutes or 20 minutes or half an hour than spending hours and hours and hours practicing mindlessly. Yeah. Like, be present. You know, back then, you know, I was eight, nine years old. I didn't think about what that meant, really. Um, but I realized in the same martial arts, you know, just to punch mindlessly didn't matter. So I realized, uh, which kind of, kind of go back to something that happened the other day, is that when I was a kid, I, w- I used to sit in the backseat of my dad's car and uh, I just realized this the other day. I remember this 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 scenario that I would watch uh, buildings or cars or people and notice what things look like. Or if some area was was not you know nice looking, my mind would go, "How can that be done better? How can it look nicer? How can it be improved upon?" And an example of that would be you know Sweden. You know it was it's a lot of snow, a lot of cold winters. And what they did, they put, they put uh, salt on the streets to melt the snow so cars could, you know, drive and not be sliding all over the place. Yeah. And, uh, but that's, that salt would eat up the metal of the cars, the, the body of the car, right? So, and they became very rusty. And so I was look at the cars and I'm like, oh, you know, they should take away that rust. And they cut it like this or they patch it up or, you know, make it, you know, I like a nice car. And I would think the same about buildings, buildings that were kind of, you know, run down and stuff like that. How could they make it nicer? And so the other day, when I came out of uh, this infrared sauna, I, uh, I realized this is the story. Like, I remember for myself, I used to do that all the time. And this, I had this epiphany that I'm the optimization guy. Like, you know, I optimize stuff. I always try looking to make things better. And uh, that was kind of like, you know, looking back, I did the same thing when I was a kid. I, I always try to find things to make them better. And that's how I kind of like everything that I do. So to me, as I started to study and read books, I, and I've read a lot of books and studied a lot of personal development, studied a lot of business development, anything that, that would make things better, <laughs> right? So in that, I, I noticed common themes and I look to, to filter down and remove everything that is overflowing and only looking for the things that, that to me has a truth in it. And that led me for many years to study unconditional love and relationships. And as I started to see unconditional love and what it really meant, not the romantic notion of love, but really what unconditional love really means, I realized that what I, had, what I had been doing, as I said earlier about minimizing myself and all kind of stuff, is that I've been hiding what I, what I, what I today call my dark side, 
writing it and dismissing it, thinking that I was a bad thing, having guilt and shame around that stuff, instead of owning it and embracing it. And I realized that unconditional love, and my definition of it, is to be able to embrace both sides of you equally. Mm-hmm. And so what do we do when we are, when we are in, a, in a job? Right? Well, what do we do when we are in a relationship or in any scenario where we try to, you know, you know show our best foot forward is we're always showing the best foot forward, right? Mm-hmm. Hiding the other side. And if you think about that in the job, right, you try to impress the coworkers or your boss, mm-hmm. right? You try to get a new job. And you, all you do is you try to impress them. Mm-hmm. But then what happens is that the other side is also there. And if you can't embrace the the weaknesses or the flaws and own them you are trying to hide or dismiss one part of you and the thing to realize that every human being and i met a lot of them there's no human being on this planet that doesn't have flaws or weaknesses yes and i think that the most the easiest place to see that is in in relationship right in dating mm-hmm. what do people do they try to impress yeah. their potential mates right and then three months, a year, two years, three years goes by, then the other side is going to show up. And the person you're dating goes, who is this person? You're not the way you were when we first met, right? You were doing all this stuff for me. Yes, they were doing everything they could to impress you. But you were doing the same thing. And all of a sudden, like now they start seeing the other sides. And I look at it as if you can show your weaknesses, mm-hmm. if you can own those weaknesses and not try to hide them, and realize that the person you're speaking to, they also have weaknesses. And the more you can be vulnerable and transparent with that, the more, if they can accept you and appreciate you with that, then all that good stuff, they can appreciate that easily. Yeah. That make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. So eloquent, the way that you're describing this. I mean, I mean it's, it's, it's the same as I mean, when you try to impress someone, in some way, you are putting them on a pedestal. You know, you are, you are craving their attention. You're craving their praise, you know, their words of affirmation, whatever that is. And in some ways you are putting them on a pedestal and seeing yourself as inferior. But I think one thing that we forget is that we all have intrinsic value. No, it doesn't mean that if we, we, we look at someone else, the person we're trying to impress and we see them as having these fabulous skill set this fabulous genius and talent about it. And then we look at ourselves and we go, oh, we're not as good, right? And that's what I mean, the value we place on it, on ourselves compared to other people in comparison. And yes. that, I love, so I love it the way you said it. And, and as you were talking, I was noticing those words behind you, the love messenger, right? <laughs> I was thinking, you know, how appropriate, how appropriate. So tell us about that. What is the love messenger? And how did you come up with that particular phrase? Great question. Uh, and that's, it's actually not, it's not my, my current brand, but it's my old brand, but it, I still stand for it. Um, but the way I came up with it is, is that, because I, I noticed a lot of times I worked with a lot of uh, sales teams and mm-hmm. performance teams. And I realized that people don't, didn't understand that, that phrase. I mean, I, I didn't go out in sales teams to talk about love in that way first. Mm-hmm. But what I noticed was that when they didn't own all of themselves, they didn't embrace both sides of themselves. They were critical and judgmental of themselves, but also of other people. And what I noticed in sales teams, which is kind of interesting, is that they did exactly that. They put their clients on a pedestal. 
And what happened when they put clients on a pedestal, they became very uncertain. They became, I mean, the person selling, they became insecure. And they were afraid of asking for the sale. They were hesitant, tippy-toeing, because they put a client on a pedestal. Then they had the other, other way, when they put themselves on a pedestal, and then minimized or put the client down, yeah. and then they became arrogant, and they became judgmental and critical. And that didn't go, go well either, yeah. right? So I noticed that. So, but when I, when I looked at uh, dynamics of family dynamics or business dynamics, right, or sibling dynamics, it didn't really matter. And so the idea of, of, the, uh, of the love messenger became that, that if I can help you to remove the guilt and the shame, the friction that you've been haunted by or being imprisoned by your whole life, we can free you up. And, and again, it was, it, it, I talked about it from a very different perspective because a lot of times I ended up talking to an entrepreneur or, or someone in a, in a position that, you know, a CEO, and we start talking business stuff, but it always ended up being relationship stuff. <laughs> and the dynamic of that, and what I noticed that it, it wasn't anything different. Mm -hmm. The way they showed up, showed up at work is how they showed up in their family. The way they showed up in the family was exactly how they showed up with themselves and how they took care of their health. It didn't matter. So the love messenger became the understanding of how to integrate and how to own both sides of you and how to, how to be able to be unconditionally loving mm -hmm. and have to receive unconditional love. Yeah. And most people think that that's a fantasy. But it's because of the, the romanticized picture they have of what it really means. I look at it when you can own all of you, you also have the ability to have more compassion mm -hmm. and you have the ability to be more uh, caring rather than careful mm -hmm. and you won't be tippy-toeing around and you also won't be bullying people. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I like it. You know, I always tell my clients that you can't have work, you know, like work life career and life separate. You know, people talk about, I want to separate my personal life from my career. And that's not possible because what happens in your personal life is going to reflect in your career, right? And I always say that you don't, nobody has career problems. You know, we don't have career problems. We have life problems that show up in our career. Yes. I love that. Love yeah. that. Yeah. So I, you know, it's amazing. You know, your work, that's why I've been so fascinated about what you do. And before before all of us jump in and we go, you know, the, the, the path that you took in terms of martial arts and infrared saunas, you mentioned infrared saunas, before we jump in and do what you did and follow in your footsteps, can you tell us, can you give us some of your inspiration? What advice would you have to someone who in their stage of life, you know, wants to create more significance in their careers? They want more impact, a meaningful contribution in the world. What advice would you give them? Great question. I think that the first step is to, like I said earlier, to have clarity yeah. and specifically clarity about what's important to you, what, what you really value. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing then, here's where in having clarity in and of itself, it's really an exploration process. And so I think that clarity about your values really means stop for a moment and look at what is really most important to me not on what I believe I should be thinking is important. So therefore, it's not coming from a place of judgment and criticism, 
and more of an observation and seeing what are the things that you made important because other people think they're important. And what are the things that you think are important because you just love it, you you enjoy it. And so it's that level of honesty of seeing what really matters. So um, I think a great process of that is to see what is it that you love to talk about? Like, jot it down. Like, what kind of conversations do you love having with people? Like, you're inspired from within. You are driven to have these conversations. And you like to interrupt people and talk about these things. Meaning, like, if you're bored, it's a sign that the conversations that you're having, either with someone or in your head, is, is not in your values. But if you start thinking about what is the thing that you love to talk about, that's one way to look at it. Second thing is, what do you mostly think about? What do you think about the most? Like, look at the, the one, two, or three things that you think about the most. And when I say think about the most, I'm not talking about your internal uh, negative self-talk. I'm not talking about the judgmental stuff. The things that you're obsessed about, the things that you love thinking about and exploring and you're curious about, like looking at that and, talk, and writing that down. And then looking at where do you actually spend most of your time? Mm-hmm. Like what do you put your attention on? And really you're looking at the top three things there. So you really start noticing there's, there's going to be patterns here, right? Like I, I usually say to my wife, you know, when she goes into, a, you know, to her phone or her computer or, or into a mall, what, what does she search for, right? What she searches for and what I search for are very different. I look for like, you know, uh, business performance. I look for systems thinking, I look for brain performance, I look for, right? I look for personal development stuff, organizational stuff. She looks for kid stuff, mm-hmm. right? Because that's what she values more than anything else. So to look at what comes naturally for you without having, without other people's uh, opinions placed upon you. That way you get to start seeing what you really value. Yes. Yeah. So how, how did you, at what point in your life would you say that you really had that clarity? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, I, uh, I noticed that for many years, I, I looked up to certain people mm-hmm. and I tried to be like them. And I had like a fantasy of this person being this perfect person. And so I started to really look at the moment I tried to be like them, I was also dismissing myself. So, you know, for many years, you know, as I was studying martial arts, I was always looking up to my masters. And as I started more and more personal development, I started looking at the personal development gurus and, uh, and then I realized that, wow, uh, actually, here's an interesting distinction when it shifted. It was probably about 10 years ago, a bit more than 10 years ago. I got a chance. I, I, I followed this, uh, this uh, love guru, this relationship guru. And uh, I got a chance. I, I actually studied him, and I looked at his marketing stuff, and I called him up. I don't know how <laughs> I got it from, but I called him up, and I said, 
you know what? I love your principles. I love the stuff that you do. Amazing stuff. I truly can resonate with your message and, and things that you, that you do. Mm -hmm. I said, your marketing sucks. <laughs> I said, you know, your message is not getting out there. And I said, a lot more people should hear and know what you do. And he said, yeah, I agree. I said, you know, it's like I agree. My stuff is not uh, at all probably resonating or being shown properly. I said, I'd love for you to be my mentor. And he said, okay. And I said, uh, I'd love to uh, move to where you live. And uh, I want you to mentor me. And I'll help you with your marketing. Oh. And he said, okay. And so I literally moved my whole family to Georgia. Oh. Uh, and at that time, I was, I was uh, for a moment, I, was, I, was, um, my, I had my kids in Sweden. So they, they, um, we were in Sweden. So I moved my whole, my whole family from Sweden to Georgia. Uh, and I started to study with him. And, and I was seeing him in, in doing sessions. And yeah. when he was working with clients, I was like taking notes. I was like fully there. Mm -hmm. And what I realized is that every, I, I mean, it became very clear to me. And, and then throughout the years, in studying human behavior and studying human traits, I started seeing these things deeper and deeper. And I realized that every person that I put on a pedestal, they had the same flaws and weaknesses that they were preaching about or teaching about. Mm -hmm. And so I saw him, his incongruency. So even though the principles were great, mm -hmm. I put him on a pencil thinking that he didn't have the flaws because I thought that he's teaching the stuff, so he must be perfect. And I saw the same things that he was uh, teaching against. I saw them in him. And I was like, wow, that was such a revelation. Yes. And so as I started seeing that, I was able to develop more of a balanced perspective and realizing that a lot of times when we put people on pedestals and we, we dismiss thinking ourselves, we are not being able to serve our clients or our, our, our bosses or our jobs. You know, we're not being able to serve the people in our lives because we are judging and criticizing ourselves and comparing ourselves to other people. Yes. Long story, I don't know. <laughs> no, it was phenomenal. It's phenomenal that, I mean, when, of course, you know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards on your life, you know, but you can't connect them moving forward. And when you look backwards on it, I mean, a lot of times people look back on their life and the events that happened in the past are like isolated. They appear isolated, right? You know, and, 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 I, and when we listen to the way you've told your story and the way that you've shared vulnerably your story, you're able to connect to the bigger picture of why that had to happen. And that's phenomenal. You know, and that's what I always impress upon my, my clients and my listeners as well is to really have an open mind when you are looking at your career history or your, your life history. Why did those events happen and what did they lead to? They may not have made sense in the moment or they may appear to be traumatic and, and, and negative you know, or, or, or pessimistic in the moment, but right. that's because we don't have clarity yet on why they had to happen. Right. And, and that's what I like. And I know you talked a lot about, you know, neuroscience stuff. Yeah. And I, I like, that's what I like about that is that it's having that brain coherency. Yes. Right. And if you don't have that, if you have internal friction mm -hmm. 
between your thoughts and your emotions and you have friction in, in terms of um, battling, fighting mm-hmm. one way of valuing life or how you were taught how life should be like and rather than living life the way you want to live like that, that incongruence, that friction create, takes so much energy, so much focus yes. and, 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 and it really bogs us down and it doesn't create the mental space mm-hmm. to be able to function at a high level. And that's why I think it's so critical to be removing the friction so we can have more acceleration in being free to think and feel and express and create and do things. Yeah. So I think removing the friction is key. Like looking at what are the things that don't make me me, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What things are slowing me down, bogging me down mm-hmm. and remove it. Exactly. And that's what I was goes right to the beginning of this conversation where I said, that's why, that's why I love what you do and how you do it. Cause it's not just about output, as you can see, right? It's not just about output and measuring productivity in terms of how much revenue you brought in or how many clients you brought in or what you did or how many items off your to-do list you checked off, right? It's much deeper than that. Productivity is much deeper than that, isn't it? Yes. Thank you so much, Satori. Tell tell my listeners if they wanted to learn more about you, if they wanted to even contact you, how where is the best place that they can reach you? Great question. So I have a I have a podcast and it's called Half Ass to Badass. <laughs> half Ass to Badass. And, and half ass is one word and badass is another word. And they're all together. But half ass to badass really based upon how do you take because I believe we all can do things half-assed, right? We will not being not being present, not you know, our skills are not the way they are, and we can all. Not only can we, I think that personally, I believe that we all, all we're all natural born badasses, meaning that we're designed to win, we're designed to conquer, we're designed to be the best in whatever we do. You know, we came here that way, right? We won the race. Right? That's how we came here. Absolutely. I love that reference. <laughs> Out of millions and millions, we have everything equipped to design to win. So, so half has to badass. And uh, I also have my book, Unshakable Wealth. If someone wants to read the book, uh, they can go to Satori Gift. Gift like a gift. Um, at SatoriGift.com and uh, they can uh, check it out. That's wonderful. Awesome. So comment below, what have you learned and where are the friction points in your life? If you enjoyed this content, if you love Satori's story and his wisdom and his articulation, if you found that inspiring, give me a thumbs up and remember to hit the subscribe button below. Ring that bell also so you can receive notifications each time I upload a new video. If you enjoyed the content, Career Vision podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode. If you enjoyed this content, remember to give me a review. Go to Apple iTunes and give me a review. Your reviews are very important to me. Also, if you have questions for myself or for Satori as well, leave your questions there. Your your questions, your reviews are very important to me. I read every single one of them. And once in a while, I like to answer questions from my listener. So thank you for listening to another episode of Career Revisionist. And I look forward to hanging out with you.